20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of a Pack a Day Podcast. We have the full team in place. And I have a minor apology to make. I'm your host today. I'm Jacob Westendorf, and joined with me is Jason Prone. Last week, I mentioned that Jason was at a concert and that I had never heard of the artist that he was talking about, and it turns out that I was incorrect. So, Jason, who did you go see last Saturday, and what exactly did they do? Well, it was sort of a concert. It just wasn't a music concert. It was a stand-up comedy show featuring Sebastian Maniscalco, who has a very unique, quirky style. It's all based on Italian humor, kind of, and so it was, it was a pretty good show. I think his older stuff was better. It was still cool to see him live, but... Um, it was at a small theater here in the Phoenix area, so it's kind of that intimate setting, whole thing, and so that whole vibe was kind of cool. So but, I should, uh, yeah, that's that's what I was doing uh, instead of talking Packers. So it was cool. I'm glad I went to the show, but I'm glad to be back in action and still doing this. Uh, I'm very, very much uh, pleased to be a part of the Pack a Day family, at least temporarily, until Andy calls me up from AAA. So, yeah, that's what. Well, AAA is actually an interesting uh, way to word that, considering the way the uh, the Yankees, my baseball team, are working. They keep calling themselves the AAA team and are one game behind the Twins for the best record in baseball. Former hometown of yours, there, Jason. Maybe you should have been a Twins fan instead of a Diamondbacks fan. I'm not sure, but uh, that's that's no. neither here nor there. Okay, no, uh, we're not going to do that. My apologies to it's Ross. Either here or there. If it's either here or there, it's definitely way over there. So, no. D-backs till I die. Gotcha. Okay, so Diamondbacks for Jason. My apologies to Ross Uglum, which I believe he's the only Twins fan, a part of the Pack-A-Day team. If somebody wants to correct me, please feel free to do so in that time frame. Jason, you mentioned stand-up comedy, so before we get into the Packers stuff, I got to know, who is your favorite stand-up comic? Man, that's a really good question. Um, overall, uh, actually, I got to go with Pablo Francisco. Okay. And not a lot of people have heard of Pablo Francisco, but and his comedy is very ADD. It's very hard to follow. But when he was in his prime, which was, God, like 20 years ago, it was amazing. And I've seen him several times as he's come through the local venues here in the Phoenix area. But his stuff is just, and he's from Casa Grande, Arizona, which if you know Arizona at all, is like one of the most small podunk towns in the entire state. So not that that's a bad thing, but it just kind of goes into the whole vibe. So if you haven't heard of, of uh, Pablo Francisco, check it out, look him up. He does some phenomenal impersonations, but definitely uh, he, he definitely could use a dose of... Uh, I don't know, what's it called, Adderall? Is that offensive for me to say that? I'm trying to be funny, but, you know, so hopefully no one takes that the wrong way. But <laughs> he, definitely, he definitely is all over the place. And I also just want to say, Jake, it's been fun doing Pack-A-Day with you. I'm sorry I got kicked off the show after today. And to our audience, I've enjoyed doing the couple shows that I did, and I'll miss you all greatly. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, I didn't realize that we were going to get a, a fired 
uh, yeah, I didn't realize somebody was going to get fired throughout that little diatribe there, but it just happened, so I apologize for that. My favorite stand-up comic is Dave Chappelle, and that's been away for a really long time. Uh, there's quite a few, though, that I, I mean, I really enjoy. I do like stand-up comedy. Um, who doesn't like to laugh, let's be honest. Uh, something I found funny this week, Jason, and we're, you know, it's Sunday, so we're kind of wrapping up the week going into next week. The Packers reported for organized team activities, I believe for the first time since they've had the full draft class and everybody in as well. So they met some of the veterans and all of that sort of stuff. And what I found funny, maybe that's not the right word, was that Josh Jones uh, was not at OTAs because he believes that a trade would best suit both parties in this case. And people are kind of taking that and running with it as a trade demand. I don't know if it's a trade demand, uh, but a request nonetheless. That doesn't mean that you know the Packers have to grant that request. They can basically tell them, you know, tough luck, see you in training camp, um, and go from there. It'll be interesting to see how Brian Gutekunst handles that because anybody who's even remotely stepped out of line has been dismissed. Um, you saw it last year with HaHa Clinton-Dix, Ty Montgomery, Jermaine Whitehead, to name a couple, players that were either released or traded after bringing unnecessary drama, I guess, in the locker room is the way that I would put that, or making boneheaded plays on the field in the case of Jermaine Whitehead. Um, so, Jason, let's start there. I know I don't want to get too, too deep into this topic, just because it's been hashed and rehashed by the time we've gotten through now. But initially, what are your thoughts on Josh Jones requesting a trade in two? If they were to grant that request, what are they losing if he's not on this team? Well, I haven't had a chance to talk about Josh Jones, so I thought we spend the next half hour breaking this whole thing down. Uh, no, we're not really going to do that. But, all right, my old school take, which is typically what I bring. Jake, go ahead and leave your your sidebar uh, no jokes will be made yourself yeah right exactly is that I'm not a fan of players requesting trades at all I mean even when Patrick Peterson is requesting a trade from the Cardinals which anybody who plays for the Cardinals should request a trade <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of it right so just because and this this has kind of a two, two-sided thing to it. I understand that the contracts that these players are under are very slanted towards the teams. And the team can cut a player, and the player then loses a lot of money that they would have made, and the team does not is not on the hook for the rest of that contract like they are in, say, baseball, for example. So I understand maybe some of the financial reasons why Josh Jones and his agent are doing this, I'm still just not a fan of it because Josh Jones is not a player with leverage. Maybe he is because he he plays kind of two positions. So maybe he thinks like, well, you know, if they lose me, and Andy Herman brought this point up, to be fair, you know, or to credit back to, to where I you know got this idea because it was a great point that he made, is that Josh Jones is both a safety and a linebacker, so maybe he feels like he can hamstring the Packers a little bit by not showing up and trying to demand a trade. He obviously didn't like the fact that they brought in both Adrian Amos in free agency and then spent a first-round pick on Darnell Savage. But if you look at the tape that Josh Jones has put out, with the exception of one game, which was the 2017 game against the Bengals, he has not shown well. So... 
you got to put your best players on the field. If you don't have those guys, then you have to get better players. So I I think Jones should have just kind of kept his mouth shut, put his head down, and come in and competed for a job. He clearly thinks his better option is to go somewhere else and play and that he's he's a highly talented player. I think Jones might end up being one of those guys who athletically looked really good on his profile before he was drafted, and so it made sense why the Packers were taking a chance on him when they drafted him in 2017. And I'm not convinced that Brian Gutekunst wasn't part of the, the reason why he was drafted. I think Gut was a very big part of that the, uh, the room at, at that time, even though Ted was still in his role as GM. But... It, it's just, it, what are they losing? They're losing a versatile guy that can play in both areas, but I'm excited. I'm more excited to see what Oren Burks does this year with a fully healthy, you know, 2019 offseason and hopefully uh, full season. And then Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage, you know, have me not too concerned about Josh Jones. I guess that's the best way that I can sum it up. Yeah, it is a little disappointing just from the standpoint of he was a second-round pick and it wasn't that long ago. And then his third game as a pro, you kind of saw, I don't want to say his ceiling. I don't know if that's the right word, uh, that that would be as good as he can get. But that game was phenomenal, the way that uh, Josh Jones, the impact he could make. And when they drafted him, they said he was a dime linebacker. That's something that always stuck with me as well. And I think that... You know, he's somebody that could make an impact in that spot if used correctly. But with him, it's also – again, I'm usually pretty pro-player when it comes to these things. I understand You kind of laid out some of the reasons why the contracts are towards the teams. They can cut the player whenever the hell they want. They can trade the player whenever they want. But then when a player takes control of a situation he's seen as selfish, malcontent, whatever. In some cases, I do think that is true. Uh, this case is just odd to me because – Josh Jones, I mean, you haven't really done anything. Like, I mean, there's been a few flashes. We mentioned that Bengals game. There was the game this year against the Cardinals where he got a sack on Josh Rosen, and I I mean, trust me, it jumps off the screen at me. Something where it's like, man, there is his athleticism in work. There is how he's supposed to play right there. But you just haven't seen enough of it. There's not enough consistency when it comes to him. He's... He was angry last year because he wasn't starting over guys like Jermaine Whitehead and Kentrell Bryce, which, okay, I mean, Kentrell Bryce has turned out to be a not very good player, and Jermaine Whitehead was released from Green Bay. So it's clear that those guys weren't exactly defensive stalwarts either, but at the same time, you know, Jones basically said on his show last year, I read this in uh, Packers Wire, I believe, that, you know, he, he had a weekly show last year and he basically said well you don't bring somebody in in the second round to sit on the bench and jones is basically in my opinion at least from that quote resting on his draft status as a reason that he deserves to play well that's not how this works either is you know one of my and i've brought it up on this show before and other shows that i've done in the past of one of my favorite things about jim harbaugh is he always says it's a meritocracy that means you know who is the one that is most deserving that's the one who's on the field i don't care if you're a senior a freshman, a three-year starter, or a brand-new kid who just walked in the door. And that's something I think that you can see if you've paid attention to Michigan football over the last few years. I have, spoiler alert. It plays out on the field. Uh, Kids don't get on the field just because. The days of Green Bay 
just handing out starting positions based on draft status or otherwise are over. And that's part of the accountability thing. And there's several things, I think, but that's part of the accountability that David Bakhtiari talked about wanting this offseason when talking about the coaching change. Draft status and things of that nature shouldn't give you a leg up on somebody who's just flat out outperforming you. Now, there's a lot of different things that go into that. Uh, Like, for example, are the Packers going to cut a – let's just say, for example, because I can't come up with a direct one right away, but let's just say Green Bay drafted a receiver in the second round. And let's just say that Jake Kumaro outplays him in the – in the preseason, are the Packers going to cut that second-round rookie to keep 27-year-old undrafted free agent Jake Kumaro around? No, they're not going to do that. But that doesn't mean that that second-round rookie is just entitled to playing time based on the guys who are here either. And that's something I think Josh Jones needs to learn. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think there's a path for him to be traded. Like, There's no reason, in my opinion, for Green Bay to trade him for a conditional sixth-round pick. That doesn't add any value to you. Um, if you want to do like a a bad player, or not a bad player, but a player, two players who need a change of scenery, just for example, um, that's something that could be an example. And I don't have any of those off the top of my head, and I apologize for that. Um, but if you want to do like a, you know, in baseball, they do the bad contract for a bad contract swap. They do that in the NBA too. If you do something uh, like that for Josh Jones, then maybe that makes some sense. But There's no sense, in my opinion at least, trading away someone who can add value to your team for essentially a ham sandwich. You know, last year when they traded Ty Montgomery, that made some sense because he was given a direct order by the coaches, he was insubordinate, uh, reportedly threw a fit in the locker room afterwards, or on the sideline, one of the two, and is a running back. I mean... Those guys are a dime a dozen. and I, I mean, I think Ty Montgomery can still play in this league. I wish him well with the Jets. But getting getting him out of Green Bay to send that message at that point in the season made sense. That doesn't make sense right now. Josh Jones, I mean, again, unless you're getting a, you know, he was a second-round pick, picked one pick before Juju Smith-Schuster, which is going to sting for a really long time. That draft may be one of those ultimate what-if moments when we look back on it five years from now because the one that sting, here's the thing about, you know that draft because everyone will bring up oh they passed on Kevin King or excuse me they passed on TJ Watt to take Kevin King Kevin King's issue isn't ability it's availability and you know that's not necessarily anybody's fault in that case it stinks that Green Bay could have had Watt and he looks to be a very good player in that case but the player that they picked it was less about or it has been less about his ability and more so about his availability Josh Jones it's been about ability and Juju Smith-Schuster, you mean to tell me somebody like that couldn't flourish in this offense? Somebody brought up Alvin Kamara the other day, too. That's an example. But it doesn't make sense for me at this point, I don't think, to trade Josh Jones. Um, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers said, I hope he's here. Tremont Williams says, when you come in this building, it's got to be team first. Hopefully Josh Jones is listening because as far as potential and an athlete goes, through the roof. Absolutely through the roof. And you've seen glimpses of that. But it's time to see some of that on the field as well. Jason, you have a story. It's you, Most of you are probably listening to this on a Sunday morning. So, Jason, you have a story coming out tomorrow about Billy Turner. And Billy Turner is the new Packers right guard. He started there with the first team at the first OTA. Now, granted, that can change a lot between now and the end of August when the Packers break training camp. Maybe he's the starting left guard or 
right tackle if Brian Balaga gets hurt. Or, you know, There's a lot of things that can change between now and then. But it was interesting to see Aaron Rodgers talking about how he's a big presence, he's a no-nonsense guy, and he's really adding something to our huddle, to our offense. And I'm, ex- you know, basically Rodgers couldn't stop glowing about not just the offensive linemen that Green Bay has in the starters, but the depth that they have. And if you look, no team has quote-unquote great offensive line depth. It's hard enough to have a good starting five on the offensive line. But Jason Spriggs can play tackle to a slightly below average level. I think that's fair. He's never going to be what they thought he was when they drafted him. But can he do enough against not like the Khalil Max and such of the world, but, you know, some lesser players? Yeah, he can do that. Um, behind them on the interior, you know, you've got Justin McCray who's played a lot of games. Elton Jenkins was a top 50 pick. Um, Cole Madison might add something, and that would be a bonus. Adam Pankey is an example. Uh, Alex Light is another one. They have a undrafted free agent tackle whose name I cannot pronounce, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, and I apologize for that, but it looks like Yashni. Uh, and I'm not even, like I said, I'm not even going to try when it comes to that. Uh, so I apologize there. But they have a lot of depth on the offensive line, but it really does. That Billy Turner signing, a lot of people have wondered, is he the swing tackle? Is something they can do in the interior? You know, what are they going to do with him? They didn't pay him $7 million a season to sit. So he's going to be the starting right guard. Jason, how, how excited are you to bring in the fact? Because last year, Justin McCray was not good and Byron Bell was worse. And, you know, the Packers clearly saw a need. They spent $7 million on somebody to play right guard and a top 50 pick on somebody that's eventually probably going to play the other guard spot, whether that's this year or next year remains to be seen. How excited are you for this new guard tandem, specifically starting with the big man from North Dakota State? When I write about the offensive line, it is a red-letter day on Cheesehead TV. So that was actually going up on Monday, Memorial Day. And I thought it was – we've learned, obviously, like you said, when Rogers, Aaron Rodgers talks about a player specifically, everyone's ears should perk up a little bit. And they've only had a couple practices together as a team, like you said. And already Aaron Rodgers is talking about Billy Turner, who was kind of the forgotten free agent – acquisition because he was sandwiched in between the Smith brothers and Adrian Amos on defense and that's what we all want is for the defense to dominate again and the offensive line is just not as they call it a sexy thing to talk about or uh, you know sexy draft picks and such but Aaron Rodgers already calling Billy Turner Bill and talking about how he's a big no-nonsense guy, and he's clearly going to fortify that right guard spot. I mean, the last two seasons you've had quarterback issues, which have derailed the teams. So, you know, it's not like the offensive line is the reason why they had to go out and spend $7 million on a, on a, on a guy. But you had Jari Evans for 2017, and that was okay. But Rodgers missed most of that season, so that, that we nullified any good that Evans could have brought while they tried to figure out if McCray could do it. Last year, Byron Bell, like you said, was not good, so he's not going to be back. This is a move I think the team had to make. It's going to be interesting to see what they do long term, which you know, I, I think for this season I'm, I'm fine with Lane Taylor at left guard. I'm not as down on him as some seem to be, and if he does bounce back and have a good season, that would be a really good thing because – 
I don't know if Brian Bulaga is going to be back after this year, and it would be really nice to know that between Elton Jenkins and Billy Turner, that maybe one of them could play some right tackle. I don't know if, if Jenkins is, is uh, slated to play any tackle at all. He, he may be, just like you said, uh, you know, a long-term future guard. Maybe Turner kicks out to right tackle. We're getting way ahead of ourselves here because we're talking 2020 now instead of 2019. I, I like the Turner acquisition and the fact that Rodgers is talking about him. I, you know, I trust 12. I trust his opinion. I think that was a good move, and I think it's, he's putting his stamp of approval on it already. They haven't been on the field and done any football-related stuff yet. So we don't know how that's going to translate. But, you know, he's a five-year veteran. There's a reason to think that if he's lasted this long, that he's good enough to play football. So I'll, I wrote about Turner and, and some of the, um, the impact that that'll have on the offensive line. And then as far as Jenkins goes, it's interesting if, if he does move into guard there and, and Lane Taylor is not part of the long-term future and what the team might do at right tackle. So, I mean, there's definitely some things that uh, need to be addressed. But one thing that we learned over this past week is that in addition to being a staunch uh, part of the offensive line and blocking and taking on elite pass rushers is apparently, Jake, you got to be able to chug a beer. Yeah, no kidding. What I, Here's something i got to say, too, because I want this out in the open right here. I used to play offensive line. I'm still a lineman at heart. There is no way in hell I would let a quarterback beat me in a beer-chugging competition. No way. So for those of you that are giving Aaron Rodgers a hard time about that, stop. It's <laughs> There's no way he was winning that competition. As for the stuff you guys have said about the offensive line, um... Let me say, with Jenkins, there's been some talk that he could play all five positions. He did do that in college. He played some left tackle. It's possible he plays right tackle. Billy Turner, it's possible he plays right tackle in 2020. Um, but, I mean, like you said, that's that's getting really far ahead of ourselves. As far as Turner, the acquisition goes, it's clear how the Packers felt about their guard play last year. They They've never, well, I shouldn't say never. Not in a very long time have they spent a top draft pick on somebody who wasn't a college tackle, strictly an interior offensive lineman, like they did Elton Jenkins. And they've never spent money like that on a guard either, like they did for Billy Turner. Now, maybe that was with plans towards the future of him playing right tackle. That remains to be seen. Me personally, if I had to tell you right now, and granted, certainly reserve the right to change my mind for you know six, seven months from now, but I would like it to see where... You know, maybe the 2020 right tackle isn't on the roster yet, and Billy Turner can really settle into that right guard position uh, for the foreseeable future, and then somebody else plays right tackle in 2020, whether that's a, a free agent signing, a first-round draft pick, something of that nature. That's far and away ahead of ourselves. But it is good to see that you know Aaron Rodgers is giving his stamp of approval on that player, and the reality is that's a position, that's a big position in – Kyle Shanahan's offense, which is essentially what we believe Matt LaFleur's offense is going to be, are those two guard spots. they got to be able to be uh, mobile in that position. We'll see. You know, Lane Taylor was with the ones on Tuesday when they had the open to the public. I'm sure that's going to be the case for a while, and that's fine. Lane Taylor serviceable, no problem having competition at that position going into training camp. 
And Lane Taylor, when he was healthy two years ago, was a good player. You know, maybe last year was a result of an injury. So we'll see uh, what happens in regards to that. Jason, the other bit of information from OTAs that came out that was interesting was I'm ready to come out of retirement and run through a wall after listening to two men talk this week about Rashawn Gary. And that is Packers outside linebackers coach Mike Smith and Michigan defensive coordinator Don Brown did an interview uh, earlier in the week. I listened on Wednesday. I believe that's when the episode dropped with our friend Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers, uh, my second favorite Packers podcast uh, that exists. Well, I take that back. It's actually the third. Pack-A-Day, Pulse of the Pack, tied at one, and then Locked On is at third. So sorry, Pete, but that's how it is. Um, but a lot of good things to come out of that. The first bit of interest that I had came from Mike Smith. I hadn't heard this man talk before. I had heard of him, obviously, uh, from his work in Kansas City and when the Packers had hired him. You read some stuff up on him, blah, blah, blah. But I listened to him talk, and the first thing that jumped out at me was he said that his opinion of this outside linebacker class was he had Rashawn Gary ranked as the best one in this class. Jason, I know the draft is something that interests you, but it's not like this, you know, obsession like it is for some of us. But is that surprising to you to hear that Mike Smith was interested in Rashawn Gary enough to the point that he was rated as his best pass rusher in the draft? As somebody who does not get as deep into the draft and I'm vowed to start trying to do that again because I think it's important that I do. And I had a lot of fun this year. This year was a lot more fun than the last probably three or four years have been. So this this past draft invigorated me, but it's easy to get excited when your team has two first-round picks. I think a coach is a a little bit of a grain of salt. I think a coach is not going to get up there and not say things like that about their number one you know, 12th overall draft pick. You have to be all in on that guy. Otherwise, you're going to lose your job if he doesn't pan out. So I think those are words that any coach talking about a 12th overall pick is probably going to say. That said, I didn't get the vibe that there was that he was not being genuine when he said it. No. And I, so no. I'm more... No. And, and that's, that's what I liked about it. And that's something that doesn't it extends up to Matt Lafleur and his coaching staff, and I think we heard that from Lafleur in his intro press conference. I think you and I used the word genuine on our other show that we do when we talked about it, and I, that's something that's important that they have is that we can believe what they're saying, and there's at least you know we understand there's going to be some smoke, uh, you know, and. You've got to be supportive of your team, but I do think they are really excited about this this player. There's no question if he maxes out that he is going to be a huge get for the Packers. And, and he's already dispelled the myths about his motivation and his and his um, you know character and, and desire to play. He, this is a guy that looks like you know when you watched him take the phone call to get drafted. He's ready to come out and prove a lot of people wrong. And those are the kind of players that you should be excited about having on your team and even more so on your defense because you need dogs on defense. Guys like Mike Daniels, guys like Kenny Clark, Jair Alexander, you know, Tremont has got a little bit of that in him. 
you need guys like that. Rashawn Gary's got that written all over him. Number one overall, the top overall pass rusher, we'll see. I'm not sure. And I don't know that that he's going to need to come in and light the world on fire. I don't think he's going to get enough snaps, which is a good thing. I, I want to preface this. I don't think he's going to get enough snaps to be the rookie of the year. Uh, defensive player, defensive rookie of the year. I just don't. You know, I don't. I don't think that's possible. I think Darnell Savage has a better chance to maybe do that because he's going to play a lot. But there's a lot to be excited about. The coaching staff is, you know, to hear a coach talk that way with me not knowing anything about this coaching staff. We talk about the players all the time. But what about the guys, the players ready on game day? I'm more and more excited about this coaching staff and what they're going to be able to do, which is only going to raise my expectations. For this season and, and wanting this team to get back to winning a lot more games and competing for the postseason and playing the postseason than I've had the last couple of years. And with a new staff, obviously, that's something that, that you want to get clarity on sooner than later. So I, I'm sure you probably take the same thing away from, from that, too. Jake, you're probably you know, a little more fired up about the coaching staff. But Rashad Gary is a player. You know, I, I, I'm good with it now. I mean, I'm way better than I was on draft night. But I think, again, that was more of the surprise factor. And there were just so many other guys that we thought Green Bay was keyed on. And now that we've had a month to digest it, you know, it's it's looking better and better by the day and by the, the press conference from guys who have actually watched him play. Well, it's interesting because <laughs> that's a draft day moment that will go down in history it's the first draft we ever quote unquote watched together and i don't think either one of us said a word for 15 minutes we were in such a state of shock after they took gary um but yeah listening to mike smith talk i mean i'll say this it's a new it's definitely a a, no dud it's a new regime it's a new way of doing things at lambeau field these guys are willing like when dom capers used to talk he didn't say anything of substance Mike Patton gives you little nuggets here or there. Mike Smith, I was fired up and ready ready to say Rayshon Gary was going to be the next Reggie White. And now, I mean, obviously I've come down from that a little bit, but he gives you some information that you want to hear. Matt LaFleur gives you some information. He doesn't have – maybe eventually he'll get to the point where he's saying the same three or four lines like it's like anything in pad level and fundamentals like Mike McCarthy did toward the end of his career here. But it's different, and these press conferences are actually more interesting to listen to at this point in time. But, yeah, what I took away from Mike Smith is he was a genuine is another good word to use, no nonsense. And for those that continue to question Rashawn Gary's character, now you have Mike Smith who said the first impression he came away with was this guy loves football. That's somebody who interviewed him one-on-one directly, the player. Don Brown, Michigan defensive coordinator. Jim Harbaugh, Michigan head coach. Those three guys appear to be no-nonsense, genuine individuals that are telling you. Don Brown, what I took away the most from his interview with Peter Bukowski was that he said he's a world-class athlete and a even more so a world-class worker. So if, the, if Rashawn Gary busts, it's certainly possible. It's possible for every draft pick. It's not going to be because he didn't care. Uh, so... I'm interested to see how this goes. Obviously, all of us are going to talk ourselves into the pick. That's what we do. We're fans, first and foremost, uh, for the Gary pick. So, But at the same time, I'm excited to see what he can do. You know, he's a world-class athlete. I mentioned last week on the show that Jason bailed on that um, somebody asked, what kind of ceiling does Gary have when you're that big and you're that level of an athlete? He doesn't have a ceiling. 
And that's something that could be very fun to watch if he starts to realize that. Um, and I'm, ex- I'm excited to see how that goes. Uh, the Packers have the makings, a chance. Now, granted, potential in $5 gets you a cup of coffee at Starbucks and not much else. But that front seven that Green Bay has built has a potential to be very, very good, both this season uh, and in the you know the next three or four years with you know the Smith brothers, um, Rashawn Gary, Kenny Clark, whoever they're able to keep around. You know, beyond that, we'll see. But I think the Packers have a very good chance to have a very good front seven, and Rashawn Gary is going to be a big part of that if there's if there's a possibility on that. So I I'm excited. I think that's what I think that's what it boils down to is that I'm excited and. I think Green Bay has a very good chance to put together a very good defense, and I'm excited to listen to those guys. That's going to do it for this edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. Thank you guys for listening in. Be sure to check us out on your favorite podcast app. Give us a review, uh, the five-star reviews in the comments. We like those the most. Follow Jason. He's on Twitter. He's at Jason Perrone. You can follow me. I am at Jacob Westendorf. As we are listening this morning on Sunday, I hope, and pray that we can be talking about a Milwaukee Bucks game seven on Monday night after they win. We're recording on a Saturday, so we're hoping that they win and have a chance to do that on Monday night. Uh, and if I will say this, Bucks in seven, and it's noon on Saturday. So if I'm wrong, you'll know by now. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, OTAs and all that sort of stuff are coming up this week. There's an open one to the public on Wednesday, so if you guys live in the Green Bay area and can get up there, let me know. Uh, I'm happy to, you know, get information from firsthand accounts. So if you guys want to send that over and send pictures, you know, whatever, all that kind of stuff's fun. So thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Pat, go. Six trailing 30 to 23. Two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A gap, and here they come. Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Touchdown! Adams. Left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third, down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline, and intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Sam to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side. St. Brown makes the challenge. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6-5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers, looking downfield, throws the left side. He's got it, out of bounds inside the 10-yard line. Oh, my goodness, what a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30.